All right, take your Bibles if you will. Let's go to Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16. You know, I, I really work hard to be a, a half-full person, if not a full person. You know, when I see a glass, I don't like to think of it being half empty or empty. Uh, even even if it's got even if it looks empty, I at least try to look at it that there is something in it. Okay, I mean I try to get that one last drop. I mean I'm like this, you know. Especially like tonight, I went to Jersey Mike's. I had a free, I had accumulated enough points on the app that I got a free sandwich. Well, I still had to buy a drink. It was three dollars for a bottle of Mountain Dew. And so I'm getting every drop of that Mountain Dew. I mean, there's nothing going to be left in that bottle. And so, you know, with, with, with positive people, you know, when, especially positive people that like to have a positive attitude, when going through the Bible and preaching the Bible, you, you, you try to have a positive spin to it. You know, that is what is so good about preaching through the Psalms. You can, you can find a positive spin to a Psalm. Uh, even Psalm 51, which is uh, the Psalm of Repentance, uh, you can look at it and, and get a positive spin out of it because David is confessing sin, he's repenting from sin, he is acknowledging his sin, and he's getting his life back right with the Lord. And so when you, you really, as you read the Bible, you're trying to find these positive spin, these positive. So when you look at the Beatitudes, you're trying to find something positive here. Even as you go through your book of Revelation, you're trying to find something, something positive. Well, when you get into this, there is absolutely nothing positive here. Okay, this is judgment. This is wrath. And I was thinking today, as, as holy as God is, and as merciful as His grace is never-ending, it never ends as far as His grace and his love, his wrath is equally holy. There is nothing unholy about God. There is no unholiness about him. So when you look at his wrath, it is a holy wrath. Now why is it holy? Because God is holy. You see that often throughout the Bible, where it talks about His holiness. So when it talks about His wrath, He has a holy wrath. Now, now when we talk about wrath, what do we talk about? Okay, that, that person is, has a problem with wrath. It means that he just, that person has a problem with their anger. And when we have a problem with our anger, it usually, 99% of the time, it leads to sin. Where we lose our temper and say things that we shouldn't, act the way we shouldn't. But when, with God, when He displays His wrath, 
there is nothing wrong with his wrath. His wrath is a holy wrath. Now, so we're entering here in Revelation chapter 16, the final judgment. We have seen portions of his judgment in parts of the book of Revelation, of where one-third of sea life was killed, one-third of this, one-third of that, but not all of it. But now we're going to get into a phase here that is the final judgment of God. And we're seeing God's wrath being put into motion. You know, Romans chapter 1 talks about God's wrath, that, that when man continual, uh, continually rejects the gospel, rejects the gospel, rejects the gospel, re- continues to live in their sin and love their sin and worship the creature more than the creator, they are heaping God's wrath upon themselves. They are storing it up. Like a savings account, you're just drawing interest on God's wrath. And when people have a flippant attitude about God's wrath, you know, people want to think of God as this God of love. You know, God is love. Well, yes, He is love, but He is also a God of wrath. Now, why is He a God of wrath? Because He hates sin. He hates it. And I think we need to to get back in our churches of just, instead of using terms such as, well, they're just in a black backslidden state. Just say they're in sin. Just say, you know what? You're not backslidden. You're in sin. And just call it what it is. It's sin. Instead of saying, well, they had an affair, just say, you know what? They committed adultery. That's what they did. They committed adultery. They committed sin. But we, we, we want to whitewash it, and we want to make it more pleasant, because it's, if we make it more pleasant, it's not going to sound as bad. But God calls it what? Sin. Anything that goes against his nature is sinful. That is why he is a wrathful God. He's a, he's a merciful God, but he is also a God of wrath. And that is why. Listen, I, 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 was, I don't watch the news a lot. Very, very seldom do I watch the news. Because it's just downright depressing. But I did want to watch, you know, there's the debate tonight, which I will not watch a second of it could care less um, but uh, I did turn on Fox a little bit today just kind of catch the headlines and they were showing the the protesters in Milwaukee walking through and saying stop transgenocide where are transgenders being genocide they don't even know what the term means But there are these people saying, love the transgender people. Stop hating them. Okay, now let me ask you a question. If you don't call a person out for their sin, 
Are you hating them or loving them? Yeah. Okay, let's, let's, put, it, let, let, let's put it in, in with a parent. If your child is getting close to a stove and it's on high, if you don't tell your child, hey, stay away from the burner, it's going to burn you. If you don't tell them that, you're hating that child. You're not you're warning, calling them out. The same thing with, with me as a pastor. Okay, if, if a church member is gone for a few weeks and they haven't, okay, and I don't say, hey, where you been? I, I'm not loving that person if I don't check up on them. We don't check up on one another. Well, by, by us telling the homosexual, listen, you're in sin. You were in sin. God hates your sin, but you can be forgiven and you can be delivered from that sin. Just like how Moeller said, you know, the church of Corinth, Paul said, Paul listed a whole bunch of things. He listed murderers, adulterers, liars, swindlers, I mean, a whole bunch of them. But then it goes on to say, and such were some of you. Now, Al Mohler said it perfectly. He said, if your churches do not have some of the, and such were some of you, you are not doing your job. So here, we are going to begin to see in Roman or Revelation chapter 16, we are going to see God's wrath being displayed. Now, I want you to go to 2 Thessalonians. Keep your finger here. But let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. For those of you having trouble finding it, it's right after 1 Thessalonians. Isn't that right, Carolina people? Hey, do you know that guy, Mr. Smith, that runs the gym? John, John Smith, I think is his name. He's giving it. He's, giving, he's, he's making up. He's a big, yeah, he, called, he told me the other day I'm not allowed to wear, wear state gear there. He's, yeah. All right, let's look at chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Okay, it says, uh, And to give relief to you who are afflicted, and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, note this, in flaming fire. Look at verse 8. Dealing out retribution. Does that sound like a loving Jesus? The one that the world wants to portray? He's dealing out. Dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Look at verse 9. These will pay. Does that sound like loving words? Okay, does that sound like, you know, the words that everyone wants to hear when they go to church? No, that's, those are the words that, that uh, will chase people out of a church. Well, I don't want to be that kind of a church because they're, they're judgmental. They're judgmental. They, they, okay, well, all right. Well, then I guess you can call God judgmental because he's calling out sin. They will pay the eternal uh, the, the penalty of eternal destruction. 
away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Now, once again, I don't necessarily like to say these words. This is not something I love to say. I'd rather preach John 3.16. I'd rather not have to preach John 3.36. I'd love every Sunday to get up and preach Psalm 23. But am I preaching the whole counsel of God? No, I'm not. So the reason for these judgments of bold judgments, is it tells us how God views sin and that God judges sin. And the bold judgments will be complete and there will be final devastation upon the ungodly and everything that is evil. So let's go back to to chapter 16. Let's look at verse 1. And we see here the great thundering of the voice of God. The great thundering of the voice of God. Verse 1, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So I want you to note four things about this. First thing is this, the voice of God was a loud voice. That's very obvious there, or it describes it here. Then I heard a loud voice. Secondly, the voice of God was a heavenly voice. Because where did it come from? The temple. Where is the temple? Heaven. The voice of God was a commanding voice. Okay, note the word go and pour out. He doesn't say consider it, doesn't say think about it. He says go and do it. Go and pour out. And then it was a just voice. Just. It says pour out on the earth the seven bowls. Here's the just part of the wrath of God. It's just. Okay, If if a judge... If a person is found guilty of a crime and the judge says, you know, uh, you've been arrested. You have a jury of your peers here. They found you unanimously guilty of this crime. And the law says that I should sentence you to life in prison for your crime. But because I'm a a loving judge, because I'm a merciful judge, and I don't want people to think of me of being a wrathful judge or a just judge, I'm going to let you go free. What kind of judge would that be? That would be a corrupt judge, an unholy judge. Definitely not a just judge, because a just judge, judge will put that person in prison for the rest of his life because that's what the jury, the prosecutor, the jury, and the law says. Now, if the law says later he can be up for parole for good behavior, then that's what the law says. 
But that's not up to that judge at that moment. It is up to that judge at that moment to put him in prison, to sentence him for what the law says. God's law says that when you reject my love, when you reject the love that I have shown to you through my Son, I have no choice but to put on you my wrath. In fact, before the person accepts the love that God exhibits through his Son, there, his wrath is already on him. John three thirty six. So it was loud, it was heavenly, it was commanding, and it was just. Now, I've got on here to turn back to Exodus 9, uh, 8 through 12, 7, 14 through 25, 10, uh, 21 through 29, but because of time, we won't, we won't do that. But these bold judgments are very eerily similar to the wrath of God exhibited on the Egyptians. Very, very similar. The first one we're going to look at is the first bold judgment, and that was judgment upon the earth. Judgment upon the earth. Let's look at verse 2. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth. And it became a loathsome and malignant sore. Is that, is that reminiscent of one of the judgments on the Egyptians? Yeah, the boils. It goes on to say that it was on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. Okay, now... Let's look at the judgment here. It was a foul and loathsome sore, boils, from head to toe. Now, here's a description of those sores. And as I I looked at some commentaries this past week, uh, this is how all of the commentaries that I looked at, they all described them in this way, harmful and malignant. Open and foul, humiliating and embarrassing, painful and torturous, incurable with no relief. Now, just just think for a moment. When you have one sore and it gets infected, and it itches, and it's, if it's really infected, may have may have a, a smell of infection to it. And if it's open to where people can see it, that's a, maybe a little bit of, of embarrassment. It's painful. Hopefully, it can be cured with an antibiotic or some ointment. But these sores that are on these people from head to toe, there is no cure. There's no ointment. There's no salve. There's no antibiotic. There's nothing. It's all over their bodies. Just think of the agony that everyone is in. Now, one commentator, I totally disagree with this commentator. He said, well, that's not talking about everybody on the earth. That's just talking about people in the Middle East. No, no. If it was just in the Middle East, it would say in the Middle East. 
It says the what? Earth. Everyone on the earth is going to be affected by these sores, these boils, the disfigurement on people, embarrassment is going to be on these people. So who are the recipients? Very, very clearly. It is those that received the mark of the beast and they worshiped the image of the Antichrist. So they received the mark. What is the mark? 666 on their hand or on their forehead. And what is the image? It is the image of the Antichrist or the false prophet. They're going to worship his image. Because they did that, God throws his wrath on them. Now let's look at the second bold judgment. It happens right after the first one. There is no calm before the storm. Okay, I was, I was listening to the on the way home the other night. I was kind of had my radio on in my car and I was trying to hear a little bit about the storm coming through California. And right when I turned it on, it said, up, oh, uh, 5.1 earthquake just hits Los Angeles. I said, man. And then it was a tornado that, uh, well, it was a funnel cloud, not really a tornado, up in Ojai, California, just north of Los Angeles. I said, man, they're getting it all. They're getting a tropical storm coming through to heaven has since 1939. And uh, funnel clouds, and now an earthquake, and now they're having to worry about rattlesnakes all over the place. Well, here this second bold judgment is a judgment upon the sea. So the first one was upon the what? The earth. The second one is upon the what? The sea. Let's look at verse 3. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became blood like that of a dead man, and every living thing in the sea died. See, the first one was upon man, the earth. The second one upon the seas and the oceans. Now, I want you to note a couple of things about this. It is a judgment on the seas and the oceans. Now, what does it do? It destroys all of the fish, all of the sea life. But not only does it destroy the fishing industries, it also destroys the commercialism. Now, there's some people that believe, and I have a tendency to believe this, that it could be a red tide. Now, what is a red tide? Okay, now this is from the, um, uh, the NOAA, from the government. It is a harmful algae bloom. So when colonies of algae, plant-like organisms that live in the sea and freshwater, they grow out of control, and they produce a toxic or harmful effect on people, fish, shellfish, marine mammals, and birds. It can then cause a human illness. When the red tide comes through, and if a person eats shellfish or fish that have been affected by this red tide, it can become, they can become sick, it can become debilitating, it can even become fatal. 
While many people call these bloom red tides and described as being looking like a blood-like substance, thick and looking like blood. The scientists prefer to use the term harmful algal bloom. One of the best-known HABs in the nation occurs nearly every summer along Florida's Gulf Coast. It is caused by a microscopic algae that produces toxins that kill fish and make shellfish dangerous to eat. The toxins also may make the surrounding air difficult to breathe. As the name suggests, the bloom of algae often turns the water red. Said one happened in Florida in the late 80s that nearly destroyed the fishing industry. Now just think that could be a worldwide red tide that totally destroys the fishing industry and the commercial industry. So what now is being affected? The first one is affecting men's health. Secondly, now what is being affected? The economy. Let's look at the third one quickly. The third bowl now of judgment is a judgment on the fresh water. Now we got it first on the earth, secondly on the oceans and seas, thirdly on the fresh water. Verse 4. Then the third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of waters, and they became blood. Sound very familiar to what happened with the first plague in Egypt? Sounds very familiar here. This judgment will affect all the streams and rivers. Now, what does this destroy? Drinking water and water used for bathing, washing clothes. Now, the first plague is affecting the body. People are trying to find some kind of relief with bathing. You know, those of you that are parents, when you had your child, child had chicken pox, you put them in what? Water with oatmeal in it. You get some sort of relief from the itching. Well, they can't do it now. Because the water now is being, the fresh water now is being destroyed. So all drinking, they can't drink water. Can't bathe in it. Can't wash their clothing. Now what is being destroyed? People are now turning against one another. Can you imagine the worldwide crime that is going against each other? People are irritated because of the boils. They can't buy anything because the, the fishing industry, the commercial industry now has been destroyed. They can't drink any water. They turn on the faucet and it comes out red like blood. They go to take a bath and, or a shower and out comes the faucet red like blood. It smells, it stinks, has an odor to it. So they can't take a bath. So what are their bodies going to smell like? I mean, you're talking about a worldwide <laughs> pandemic. Now, let's look at the next thing. 
Verse 4, the righteousness of God's judgment. There is a little bit of a break here. Little bit of a break. John, John needs a break here. He's seen the first three. He's like, man, I can't handle this. I, I need a break between number four, five, and six, and seven. I need a break here. But God says, okay, I'm going to give you a break. But I'm going to tell you in this break why I have done what I have done and why I'm going to do what I'm going to do. So in verse 5, we see, And I heard the angel of the water saying, Righteous are you who are and who were, O Holy One, because you judged these things. Holy God, you are holy because you're the judge. You are the one that is holy. And you are the only one that is holy enough and righteous enough to do these things. His judgment is righteous because of his eternality. We see there in verse 5, you are and who were. He has always been, he is now, and always will be. God has always been and will always exist. There is no beginning and there is no ending to God. And then secondly, in verse 6, For they poured out the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. That's what I love about the, the, the New American Standard so much. It just gets right to the point. They deserve it. So it's righteous because of his revenge. His revenge for what? For those saints that they martyred. And then lastly in verse 7, And I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. He's righteous because of his truthfulness. There is no ounce of untruthfulness with God. I gave a quiz today to my Spanish 1 class. And I asked them when I passed out the quiz, I said, let me ask you all a question. I said, um, do any of your other teachers require you all to take out cover sheets? And they all looked at me and said, no. I said, well, you've got one that will. And I said, well, why don't you take out a cover sheet? Well, I said, now I know all of you in here are fine, upstanding citizens. You're fine, upstanding, you know, students because you're in a Christian school. But I know students, and I know people, and people sin. And that when you don't know the answer, your eyes will have a tendency to wander. And will wander over to your neighbor's paper. I said, now, if you are smart about it, you will not look at the student that you know is flunking. 
you will look at the one that you know is passing. But you don't want to do that. Because there are two of the ten that tell you not to do that. There's the first one of, thou shalt not bear false witness. Because if I call you out and say you're cheating and you say, I didn't cheat, you're lying. Secondly, you are stealing. And there's another one in the 10 that says, Thou shalt not steal. So you are stealing answers from your fellow student. And then I went on to say that in James it says that if you have broken one of the commandments, you have broken all of them. Therefore, what does that make you? And they agreed. They said, that makes us a sinner. I said, okay, so if you lie, what does that make you? I had one student say, well, that doesn't make me a liar. (laughs) I know. And, you know, I said, no, it makes you a liar if you commit one. If you say one lie, it makes you a liar. If you steal, what does that make you? Now, they agreed on that one. That makes you a thief. I said, so you want to? I said, I want to help you. I want to protect you by giving you protection here, by using a cover sheet to protect your answers, but also to keep you from cheating. So from now on, Make sure you have a blank sheet of paper. Okay? Now, you say, Dwayne, what is the moral of that story? The moral of the story is this. If I catch them cheating, what should they get? They should get the penalty. What should mankind get because they have broken the law? God's wrath. But the beauty of it? Is because God is a God of love. He has extended his mercy to mankind to accept his love. But it's mankind that refuses his love. But what do we need to do? Keep spreading his love. Next week, we'll get into the rest of it. All right? Father God, we do thank you that your word is true. We thank you, Father, that there is no no lies in your word, that even if you tried, the word of God says that God cannot lie. And now, Father, as we finish up the rest of this week, I do ask and I pray, Father, that you would just use us, Father, to bear fruit for your kingdom. Use us, Father, to to be image bearers of Christ's likeness. Help us, Father, to live out the gospel to a lost and a dying world of whether it be a neighbor, whether it be a coworker, whether it be a student, whether it be a, uh, just uh, someone we run into at the grocery store or out in public. Help us, Father, to be Christ-like and dismiss us with thy blessing. Be with those not here tonight for whatever reason. We pray that you would be with them and watch over them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
All right, well, we'll see you Sunday morning. Have a great rest of the week.